to the parables are um, our stories. It's a, a way of teaching ideas and principles and concepts. And so Jesus, as a teacher, would use stories and questions, actually. If you really read the Gospels, you find that he asked a lot of questions, and he didn't give very many answers. Asked a lot of questions, and he taught by story frequently, and those stories are often referred to as parables. And they use common everyday items that were present in his day and age. And in those common everyday items, there would be teachings, ideas, and concepts. So he would talk about vineyards. He would talk about planting seeds. He would talk about flour. He would talk about coins and fish and so forth, symbols and elements that his listeners could relate to. And I would imagine that as a teacher of consciousness, if he were here physically today, that he might use different symbols, but those different symbols, I believe, he would still use to convey some of the same concepts and ideas. Part of the reason that stories like the parables live on and, and um, can still teach us is because they point to universal ideas, universal principles that don't change over time. What changes maybe is the way we understand them or the symbols that we use to convey them. And I look at the parables that he gave as teachings about consciousness. And this first parable that we're going to look at is actually believed to be the first one that he gave. And it is a parable that emphasizes the importance of listening and the importance of receptivity. So let's just stop there for a moment and think about those two concepts, the concept of listening, the concept of receptivity. When you think about the spiritual journey, your spiritual journey, do you relate to the ideas of listening and being receptive? I think you probably do. When in our approach to prayer and our approach to meditation, a lot of it is about stilling the mind enough, stilling the body enough, so that we can do what? Listen. That we can be receptive to something beyond maybe our usual rational mind and the things that typically occupy our thinking. We become quiet, we become still, so that we can receive something more, so that we can, can listen in a deeper way. The first parable is a parable about listening, and it's a parable about the sower and the seed. So I want to read it to you. And as I do, keep in mind that in the day of Jesus, there were no machines to sow seed. When a farmer would go out to sow seed, the seed was broadcast, and so it could go all over the place. It was somewhat hard to direct it. So this is what he said. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, 
the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had not taken root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Just think about those last words. So he's painted this picture of a farmer going out and sowing seed, and some of the seed fell on the trodden path, some of the seed fell among the thorns, some of the seed fell where the birds picked it up, and some of the seed fell on good soil. And then he finishes that picture, that visual picture where he's trying to teach something, and he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Well, of course, the people he was talking to had ears. So why is he saying, whoever has ears, let them hear? I think he right there is saying, you got to listen in a different way. This isn't just about taking in the vibrational sound of what I'm saying. It is about listening in a deeper way to a deeper idea, a deeper message. And so we have in the parable several elements, right? We have the seed, we have the sower, and we have, of course, the soil. The seed, what might that be? To me, the seed can be the divine ideals, divine virtues, divine qualities and concepts that I believe the soul in us aspires to live into and up to ideas of love, ideas of understanding, of patience, of tolerance, of honesty, of wisdom, of faith, of courage, divine ideals. The sower, we could look at it as spirit, divine force, divine energy. We can look at the sower just as a field of infinite possibility out of which everything that exists arises, including divine concepts, including divine ideals like love and wisdom and faith and courage and kindness and, and so forth. And then we have the different kinds of soil, right? And what does that represent? And that's where I think the real teaching comes in because the seed is the same. What impacts the seed, you take one seed, one kind of seed, and depending upon the soil in which that seed is planted, it's going to produce a different yield. And that's the picture that he is trying to convey to his listeners, that there is this field of ideas, the seed, and it will produce after its kind, but the harvest, the amount of the production is going to be directly related to the soil in which that seed lands. And that soil is our consciousness, our mind, our receptivity. The lesson of this parable is all about, I think, conditioning one's mind and one's heart in receiving and responding to spiritual ideas, conditioning one's mind and one's heart in receiving and responding to divine ideals. What's our readiness 
to receive? How ready are we to receive the concept of faith or to receive the concept of courage or to receive the concept of true loving kindness and compassion? How open and receptive are we to it? Are we willing? Are we ready? Are we eager? Are we open? Are we receptive? Are we mature enough? Mature enough. Somebody has said of unity that you don't usually just start in unity. You don't usually just start in, in metaphysics or in, in science of mind. You kind of have to grow your way into it. Would you not say that there's some truth to that, right? You kind of grow your way into, into this teaching. And so we have the seed, whatever the seed may be, that has fallen or landed on four different kinds of soil. The trodden path, the rocky ground, among the thorns, and the good soil. And I think that each of those represents different states of mind and heart different states of consciousness. And I suspect that depending upon the seed, we might find that we are at different levels at different times. And so I just want to talk a bit about what those different levels might be like in us. Because the purpose of the parable isn't to give a farming lesson. That's why Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, then hear. Because he wasn't talking about the seed, the physical, literal seed, or the physical, literal soil. He was talking about us, about his followers. The message then is human beings make different responses to the seed, different responses to the, to the truth of life. The seed is the same. The soil is what is variable, and the variability of the soil is what determines the harvest. This book, I think, is still in print. It is an excellent book if you're curious about the mystical message of the parables. It's a book that was written by Irvin Seal, and it's called The Parables of Jesus. And he writes this about the parable of the seed, the parable of the sower. What we are, what we are qualifies and conditions what we see and what we hear and the way we respond to different people and different events. Take that in for a moment. Would you not agree with that? Would you not say that is true? What we are, what I am, qualifies and conditions what I see and what I hear and the way I respond to different people and different things. Why? Because my life experiences are not exactly the same as yours. What I've come into this life having brought with me, what I've experienced in this life, the joys, the challenges, the wounding, the celebration, all of that impacts the quality of my consciousness, what I'm able to see, what I'm able to hear, how it lands on me. That's why two people going through what looks like from the outer the exact same things can have such totally different reactions to them, right? Right? What we are qualifies and conditions what we see and what we hear and the way we respond to different people and different events. He goes on to write, because I project my own world out of my own consciousness, and you similarly project yours. What is brick to me may be straw to you. 
and vice versa. It is the soil of my own mind which produces that green tree in the yard, and it is the soil of your own mind which produces that green tree for you. You and I take it for granted that we see, that we see the same tree, but we don't. And herein lies a lot of the problems that we have in life and relationships, right? You and I take it for granted that we see the same tree, but we don't. The tree that I see is a tree that is actually there plus the amalgamation of all that my mind has read, heard, and experienced of trees. And so it is with your mind. We are individual soil types giving rise to different kinds of growth within our consciousness and experience. When I take that in, when I remind myself of the truth of what he's saying, it actually winds up boggling my mind that we get along as well as we do that we don't have a heck of a lot more challenges in relating to one another because there's so much variability going on within each of us because of who and what we are, what we bring into each and every experience that influences how the idea lands on and in us. Does that make sense? So the parable suggests, Jesus says in this story, that there are four kinds of seed, four kinds of consciousness, four kinds of, of soil. Some seed that fell by the path, the birds came and ate it up, it had no chance to take root. What does that soil represent? What does that represent in us? I think it represents in us the unreceptivity to the idea, to the seed, to the ideal. It's the trodden path. The trodden path. The reason the birds could grab the seed so quickly is the path was so hard. Have you ever walked on a really hard path, right? It's so hard. Imagine a seed just falling on that. It has no chance to take root, right? There's no porousness. There's no receptivity. Can you draw any parallels there to consciousness and to the mind? A mind that's so closed. Have you, I won't ask you to look at yourself right now for a moment, but have you ever encountered somebody in life whose mind was like that trodden path, whose mind was so hardened and so closed, it's like they... They thought about something once, and that was it. They formed their opinion, their mind was closed, end of case, end of story, been there, done that, nothing new. Anybody ever encounter anyone like that? And have you ever noticed in yourself, maybe, times that you may have a mind that responds like that, that is unresponsive, that there's no way a new idea can possibly have a chance to even take root because you've already made up your mind that it can't happen. It's impossible. It's never been done. It will never be done. The unresponsive mind. It also, I think, can represent the negative mind, the mind that has become so trained in saying no, that shuts down, right? 
So that's one kind of way consciousness, the mind can work, that I think Jesus is pointing to in this story. And so the seed can't grow, it can't bear fruit, it can't multiply. That's the purpose of a seed, right? It's to multiply, it's to produce after its own kind. And it's amazing when it does. When the soil, when the conditions are good enough, the yield can be amazing. And that's not just with seeds that we plant in our garden. It's with divine ideas and ideals that we plant in a responsive, receptive mind. And then we have the seed that falls on the rocky places. And there's a little bit of soil there, so the seeds take root for a bit, but there's not enough soil, and it's a rocky place, and the rocks get heated by the sun, and those tiny little roots that are trying to take hold, and the, the little sprout that's trying to push its way through the soil doesn't really have a chance, because before it really becomes strong enough, before it really takes root, it gets burnt. What kind of mind might that represent, the rocky ground? To me, it represents that mind that jumps into an idea, full bore at the front end, excited, enthusiastic, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take that class, or I'm going to do that kind of meditation, or I'm going to make this change. You might recognize parts of yourself in that from time to time, or you might recognize somebody in your life that is really quick to jump in whatever is the newest thing. You know anybody like that, right? But no staying power. No staying power. No staying power. I am so convinced that consistency of positive practices they don't have to be perfect, but consistency of a practice is what really makes the biggest difference in transforming our lives. I think we can take that idea of consistency across many different dimensions. I think it may be why the Dalai Lama will often say, whatever you are, be that, but be that consistently. Practice that consistently. If you are a Buddhist, practice that consistently. If you're on a spiritual path such as ours, practice that consistently. Why would he say that? Because ultimately, the spiritual kernels of truth are in all the world's religions anyway. It's a jumping from here to there, whether we're talking about a spiritual path or a divine idea, that causes us not to have a harvest. So the mind that initially responds well to an idea, just like the seed that fell on the rocky soil, sent down a root, but the root got scorched because of the heat of the sun on the rock. We jump in, we react favorably for a while, but we just don't stay with it. And so we don't get to realize the fruits of our labor because we haven't been consistent. And then we have the third soil, the seed that falls among the thorns. What do you think that might be? The seed that falls among the thorns. And the thorns, which are like weeds, um, spring up and choke out that seed. 
just strangle the life out of that seed. I think of that in a way as the lazy, untrained mind. The mind that is easily distracted, that has major, what was that saying that was popular years ago? Majoring in minors. The mind that doesn't really, hasn't taken the time to really look deeply within and around to, to, to determine what really matters, to discern what really matters in, in life. You see these divine ideals that the seeds represent, ideals of love and patience and honesty and service and all these qualities that the ancients have talked about and we still talk about today, it takes a certain maturity of mind to really recognize the value of pursuing and cultivating that way of being. It's so easy to get sidetracked, is it not? To get sidetracked and distracted with things that are really of lesser importance. And when we do, there's so much of lesser importance that it really does just strangle out that which really deserves our time and our focus and our attention. It's a mind that's preoccupied. It's a mind that's easily distracted. Going back for a moment to something that Irvin Seal writes about this particular quality of mind, he says, it also, he's referencing that it also deals with playing with contrasts and playing with opposites. He says, if you are not well grounded in spiritual law and spiritual principle and spiritual practice, and do not have confidence in your ability to choose, to choose the thoughts you're going to think, if you do not have confidence in your ability choose, to choose, then opposites will quarrel in your mind. Can you relate to that? Opposites will quarrel in your mind. And in most cases, fear will get the better of faith and choke out the good seed. Can you relate to that at all? Fear will get the better of faith and choke out the good seed. If this is your present experience, you must diligently school yourself to pray daily until you invoke the power which will help you to sustain constructive thought and imagery. You cannot think two opposite thoughts at the same time. This is a law in metaphysics just as in physics. The law is that two things cannot occupy the same place at the same time. So I go back to saying it's about the untrained mind. And how do we train our mind? I think we train our mind in meditation. We train our mind in stillness. We train our mind by redirecting our attention from the circumference of our life and the many demands at the circumference so that we can zero in on the center. And when we zero in on the center, when we can get clearer in mind and heart and really listen, we will find that there are fewer distractions out there that wind up taking us off our course and wind up taking our time and energy and effort. Does that make sense? It becomes easier to know what the soul wants to say yes to and what it wants to and needs to say no to. And then, of course, there's the seed that fell on good ground. And that is the ground that is broken open 
when you plant a seed, I'm not a great gardener, but I have a bit of experience with it, and I do know that in all the seeds that I plant, that soil has to have a certain porousness to it. It has to be open to it. And in many cases, when you plant a tiny seed, even in a very porous and loose soil, the soil that you put on top of that seed is even recommended that you sift it. Why? So that there is a chance for that growth that wants to happen and yet is new and tender and young has a chance to be able to push through that layer of soil. I think the same is true of us in consciousness. And this is where qualities such as humility and openness become so very important. I think it's why Jesus gave this as a first parable, or at least it's attributed to him as a first parable. And that is a parable where he says, and if you have ears, then hear. If you have ears, then, then listen. There's a deeper truth here. But you have to be open to be able to hear it. So it's the readiness to receive. It's the receptivity to receive. And I think it's the maturity to receive. So I invite you, as you reflect in your own time and in your own way on this idea of the parable of the sower, the parable of the seed, to think about your own mind and your own tendencies in how you respond to things. Is there that openness? Is there that maturity? Is, that, is there that humility to take an idea, an ideal, and then nurture it so that it can produce abundantly in your life. I think you may be surprised at what you begin to see. Namaste. Namaste.